You're listening to a message from Severe Heights. To learn more about us, go to www.severeheights.org. It is good to be back. I would hope that you'd be a little bit more excited I'm back, too. You know? uh, um, and Tyler, when we were walking off stage just then, uh, he said, my tail end is hurting because I nailed him really hard while you guys weren't looking. Uh, but I'm so glad to be back. And um, goodness, refreshed, excited, fall is here. And um, I don't know, it's, it's just it's good to be here. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to start this, this three-week series talking about uh, some of the big values that we have at the church. And today's in particular, it's really big. Um, this value is critical to the process for everybody in this room, becoming more like Jesus. Uh, this value is critical to you, to me, growing closer to Jesus. This value is critical to us accomplishing the things that Jesus wants us to accomplish. The value is community, is our design. In other words, I need you and you need me. Uh, this, this is evident in the early church. Like when you read the book of Acts, uh, there was this beautiful, um, intimate relationship between the church uh, together with God and together uh, man and women and kids. This was an, an essential part of growing to become more like Christ and, and representing the church because we can't and we don't do life alone. We do relationships together. We support each other together. We cry together. We laugh together. We defend each other together. When someone falls, we rally together and we lift them up together. We don't do life alone. A tragedy I want to let you know today is if this church experience, if, if all it is for you is just coming and, and sitting in a row, uh, you're, you're just playing church. Like we were meant, we were created, we were designed to be in a group, to be with close friends. It's the reason that today my goal is to talk to you about groups, why we do groups, uh, even on behalf of myself. Um, some of you in this room, um, perhaps you struggle with groups and so forth, and you know, like, man, I've tried them before, it's boring. Well, it's okay to try again. Uh, try a different group. Like, like when you get a haircut, if you've ever had a bad haircut, you don't just, ah, never going to get a haircut again, right? You get a haircut. This is a chance for you to try some of these groups out. And I want to pick on me for a little bit, uh, just to start today. Uh, 90% of pastors are lonely. 78% of pastors have no close friends. And 77% have marriage problems. Uh, like you look at those three, they're, they're stacked against me. That's why I'm in a group. Like, like, that's me. I need a group. So what I want to do today is to lay the, a groundwork, kind of in a surprising angle, uh, working my way through elements of the Old Testament and then get to practically what it looks like for us uh, to be in a group. And, and now this is, this is early stages of Scripture, what I'm about to read, and it's going to probably surprise many of you when you see a system and a pattern that God has established. Yeah, God has this thing about living things being able to reproduce other living things. L listen, God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds, and it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing 
fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Like inside all living things is the potential to create more living things and to produce these more living things. It's like why you've got this forest full of trees that, that came from other trees. Um, God also created this system in which not just trees and grass and other living things like animals produce, but he did something uniquely special on behalf of humans. Verse 27 of Genesis 1, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female, he created them. And then his first words after he created them, verse 28, God blessed them and he said, hey, be fruitful and increase. Increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. It's part of God's will for you, it's part of God's will for me, it's part of God's will for the church. Uh, When God is in the middle of something, anything, he wants it to be fruitful and increase, which begs the question, why didn't this always happen? After all, he created a system for us to be fruitful and increase, but it's not just about the ability to be fruitful and increase. You have to connect. There's an intimacy component. You see, God requires intimacy to increase. So, so you and I can have the potential and never experience it apart from intimacy. And don't just think biologically. This goes relationally. Uh, let's do this for a second. Since that's God's desire is he gets in the middle of something and he wants the increase and things for be fruitful. Um, the next two chapters later in Genesis 3, the devil enters the scene. Um, understand something about the devil. He's not just dark and evil, all right? There's much more to him. I want you to consider this. Like, like if you just think about, oh, he's going to make my day bad and manipulate me. No, that's too shallow. When you think about the devil, I want you to give it serious thought. Think about this. Satan wants to stop the process of us doing what God wants done. So sin's not there for sin's sake. Darkness isn't there for darkness' sake. Satan is at work to keep you and I from developing intimacy because intimacy leads to increase, said it in the text, which leads to a realm of influence. Every time he shows up in Scripture, every time he shows up, he's trying to destroy intimacy because it's God's system for increase and influence. His real goal, Satan's real goal is to create barriers to intimacy, because if he can stop the intimacy, he can stop the increase. Um, So this is a big reason that many of us in this room struggle in different types of relationships, whether it's at work, uh, whether it's with family, whether it's with a team. Um, Let me give you some examples about this, all right? Modern day examples. Take the internet and internet sin in particular. If you consider it, don't think about it just as sin. Satan's goal is to give you an intimate encounter without a person. He's hijacking the system. And it'll mess with you physically, psychologically, emotionally, even chemically. He's robbing people of real intimacy. His ultimate goal is to destroy it. Because with no intimacy, there's no increase, no influence. How about marriages? Um, Biblical definition of marriage is under attack. You know why? It's culturally acceptable to not have it 
So there's no intimacy that leads to increase. It's, it's part of Satan's way of taking it away from the original plan that, that God had in store. How about divorce? Like, let's, let's consider divorce for a minute. Like divorce, we always hate to see it and it breaks our heart because he said I do and he should have done it, you know? But even when you read scripture to see one of the reasons that God hates divorce, he literally says he hates divorce in Malachi 2 and then he says this afterwards, has not the one God made you? You guys belong to him in body and spirit and what does the one God seek? Godly offspring. He's like, I want you guys to be intimate so you experience increase and it leads to influence. Uh, verse 15, so be on your guard and do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. So, I mean, here's another example. How about this? The last verse in the Old Testament talks about the, the intimacy level between parents and their kids. Listen, Malachi 4, 6, uh, he's writing about the prophet Elijah. And he says, Elijah's going to come in and he will turn the hearts of the parents back to the kids. And the hearts of the kids back to the parents. Like this intimacy component as a family. And then he says, or else I'll come and strike the land with total destruction. Guys, if you don't have the intimacy even in the family, he's letting us know that, that the increase in the influence inside the family is, is just hard to see. So with community being our design, you think about the way that God has created a system. Intimacy. Increase. And influence. It's all about the quality of relationships. And as we read the end of the Old Testament, Jesus enters the New Testament. And he comes to the earth and he's like, let me show you how to do this. Uh, let me show you how to approach relationships with other people in an intimate way where you get past just surface stuff and you really see their needs and you meet them. And then Jesus was crucified. He came to pay for a, a sin debt that you and I could never pay for. He took all his, our sin upon him and if we trust Him and follow Him, we've given eternal life, and we also given the gift of the Spirit to navigate this life. And before He ascended into heaven, He said something. Now get ready. What He says in this passage is the same system that He mentioned in Genesis 1, 28. Matthew 28, then Jesus came to the guys and He said this, hey, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore... Go and make disciples. That's the intimacy that leads to increase. It's a realm of influence. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What it means practically, it's like we want to move, and intimacy does this, from seeing strangers in the hall to acquaintances in a row to friends in a group. You see, intimacy is tied to increase and influence. Um, it's essential that we get this right, because when God is in the middle, He expects things to increase and for influence to spread. The Bible is written in a relational context. God is a relational God. He thinks relationally. He builds the church relationally. He establishes kingdom relationally. It's one more reason that he refers to himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's a relational God. So in light of that today, what I want to do is I want to talk about relationships. I want to talk about distinctly four different aspects of all relationships. 
and I'm going to do a little bit of picking on me because I got to in order to communicate this, but in me picking on me, hopefully you'll see the parallels with you. Because there are four aspects of all relationships. The first is this, I know and you know. Um, Meaning, this is just surface talk. Like, uh, you guys know some things about me, and if I know you, I know some things about you. Like, even if we just met casually somewhere for 30 seconds, um, we'd know a little bit about each other. Now, I want you to think about pastors in particular. We'll pick on us. Uh, In this room, unfortunately, um, everybody has seen pastors that all they do is surface talk, because they don't want people to get to know the real them. There is this temptation to be put on the public me, a polished me, a professional me, a prayed up me, instead of being the real me. One of my biggest struggles like in ministry is as I was growing up and listening to pastors, um, I would hear guys that got on a stage and when they talked, they sounded nothing like they do out there, up here. And as I was listening, I'm like, man, it's just hard for me to believe that. But, but there's this temptation in all of us to put on a, a show because we want to do surface talk. If I'm honest to you, there's a side of me that struggles with this just as well. That's why I try to be as vulnerable with you as much as possible. The Apostle Paul told, told us to do this. Listen, 1 Thessalonians 2, 8, he's writing to a church. He says, so we cared for you guys because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. So you guys don't just get preaching me. You got to get the real me. I need to lead this way. I need to live this way. I need to love this way. Otherwise, intimacy's not there. Increase isn't there. And a realm of influence is not there. Um, so let me tell you a little bit about groups. I, I love groups because eventually what, what takes place in a group is a great question um, that I've asked my family every once in a while, uh, but eventually you start to ask somebody in a group setting. It's, it's fine when you, you first do it. Uh, and that is, what, what's the current condition of your soul? Like, like after we've done the study together, it's time to kind of chat. It's like, okay guys, what's the current condition of your soul? And you go first, right? And uh, this guy's caught off guard and all of a sudden he starts a pattern, a pattern that is very repetitive. Many of you have heard this before. He makes a statement, pretty good. Next guy, pretty good. Next guy, yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Eh, it's been tough, pretty good. You know why they do that? Because they're all liars. They don't want you to get under the surface, right? They don't want you to get to know the real them. But after a while, something breaks. And one of them will open up and say something that everybody's like, wow, me too. And things get discussed in a group that that I'm not going to repeat up here. I can't. It's like no filter, and I love it. So the first aspect of relationship is is surface, like uh, things that I know and you know. Uh, But there's a second aspect. There are things that I know and you don't know. We all have secrets. We all wear masks. Everybody in this room is kind of wearing one right now. Um, I've got struggles. The problem with struggles and secrets, if you're the only one that knows your secrets, you are in trouble. I do not have to tell all of you, but I need to tell some of you. And I'm so thankful for men that are friends 
that I can just be candid with. And I can give them the opportunity to say, hey, ask me whatever you want, anything. Because everybody in this room, we need places. And a group does this. We need places. We need friendships. We can take off a mask and tell them, you know what? It's terrible right now. Like, I'm so frustrated I could kick kittens, you know? You're just that ticked. And I'm not going to kick a kitten, I promise. It's just funny, kind of, all right? Uh, I thank God. I thank God for friends that I can just spew. And they lovingly listen. They're not trying to fix it. They just listen. God created us in such a way that the mask has to come off. Hear me out. If we keep secrets, we'll always be as sick as the secret. It messes us up on the inside. Proverbs, whoever conceals their sin doesn't prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces and finds mercy. Okay, Tim, I'll just do that with God. Ah, the Bible builds on that. Listen, James 5, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So in a real sense, you go to God for forgiveness. And according to this verse, you go to God and God's people for healing. Got to have our, the ability to take off our mask and be honest. Have you ever noticed that people are attracted to honesty? Like, let's say you find uh, some athlete that gets busted on something and he just denies it and fights it. Uh, culture doesn't really give them mercy. But if one of them just admits it and tells they're genuinely sorry and they're honest up front. People, people throw mercy that way. Um, kids are in this room and they know this. I've got one, two big rules at the house, but one really big rule. And that is you can't tell a lie. Like, like our family, that's kind of my big one. And let me tell you this, I will always give them grace when they tell me the truth. Because they're being honest. Even if it's something terrible. Because I know they won't always get it right. I didn't get it right. But I want the relationship. And if you lie, it breaks the relationship down. No wonder David said it this way, Psalm 51 verse 6, but God, you desire honesty from the womb, like from those early days, teaching me wisdom even there. So God is attracted to honesty. So. I know and you know. That's surface stuff. We got I know and you don't know. That's kind of mask stuff. Ready for this one? There are things that you know, but I don't know. Um, I do this once a year for my own humility. 2019, um, I preached a sermon up here for a full service, and my zipper was wide open, all right? That's what I mean, things that you know and I don't know. Like, no one had the courage just to come up here and say, damn, the zipper's down. They waited till the whole thing was done, right? <laughs> but but in, real, in real world, think about it. It's like, there are things that you guys know that, that I don't know. Think about your relationships. It's like the spinach in the teeth, you know? It, it's somebody needing to speak up because you've only got two eyes, and they're kind of limited in what they see. Like, right now, I, I see you guys pretty good, but I have no clue what's going on over here or back there. And I need, you need, we all need another set of eyes that are willing to speak into us. Here's why. You ready? 
I'm often the last person I need to get advice from. My vision's limited. It's like a marriage that is uh, struggling and the couple is just livid. And they come and make a statement, well, here's what we think we're gonna do and it's just harsh. And I wanna say no offense, but you're the last person you should be asking what to do. You're mad at him and right now you hate her, so don't ask you, don't listen to you. Have you ever noticed that when you make decisions it's rare to make a decision in an emotionally neutral environment. So if you think about it, I can't always trust me. Jeremiah said it this way, Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart, Tim's heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? So we all need somebody that can see in us and to speak to us. It's preferably someone that loves us and loves Jesus. It's because we don't always see things as they are. We typically see things as we are. Everybody in here has got a grid. And in that grid is your history. Like all the things that have happened to you up to this point. And we have a tendency. I do too. Maybe it's not trusting or, or quick to think this or whatever. That grid from the past has shaped us in so many ways where the best thing we can do is, is talk to a friend or hear from a friend. And periodically, a friend needs to speak into you and point things out that you didn't even know. Like kids, Jen, damn, you were a little rude and short there. You hate to hear it. But Proverbs says it this way, wounds from a friend can be trusted and an enemy multiplies kisses. Let me show you what that means. It's those that are running far from God and doing stupid stuff. You got friends like, hey, it's no big deal. Come on, we're, we're good. But then you got some real friends that love you and love Jesus. They're gonna have the courage to say, hey, well, man, whoa, stop, be careful. Don't go there. So think about this. In all aspects of friendships, three of them so far, Things that I know and you know, that's surface. Things that I know that you don't know, that's kind of my mask. We all got to take those off. Things that you guys know that I don't know. And I need another set of eyes to speak into me in life. And here's the fourth one. Things that I don't know and you don't know. Meaning, what is ahead? You ready for this? We'll never know until we connect. That's why we do groups. Ephesians chapter four, verse 16. The apostle Paul says it this way on behalf of the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Uh, meaning the hand won't find its full potential unless it's connected to the arm. And the arm's gonna have to be connected to the shoulder until eventually everything is connected to the head. We have to connect. Otherwise, the hand is just a yucky piece of flesh wiggling on the ground. Makes no sense whatsoever. We is always better than me. Um, community is our design. I need you, you need me. 
And it's wired inside of us. God created a system from the very beginning that echoes into Jesus' teaching in the New Testament. Ready? Intimacy leads to increase. It's tied to influence. I mean, let's get real just for a second. Um, Think about how that plays out at your work. All four of those aspects are are playing out at your job. There are things that you know and everybody else knows. There are things that you know and no one else knows. There are things that other people may know that you don't know. And there are things that neither of you know, so that's why a good company and a good team comes together and connects. Common sense. Guys, you can see it in athletes, like with a team. You see the same aspects play out. And I want to press in on this one. You really see it at home. A good home pays close attention to those aspects. Like things that I know and Jenny and Elon and Silas know. There are also things that I know that sometimes they don't know. Like before I left, you know, vacation, I was really struggling. I tried hiding it. Um, just down and depressed. Summer has a way of taking its toll and sometimes criticism and so forth. And I had to take off the mask and God did some healing. There are things that I know and they know. There are things that I know and they don't know. There are things that they know that I don't know. And doggone it, when they pointed out, man, it's hard. <laughs> you know, Tim, it really wasn't nice. We all need a night together. I don't, I don't think you, I don't think you're listening very well. That stuff stinks, but, but I need it. We all need another set of eyes and people that love us and people that can speak into us. And then how about that fourth one? The fourth one is things that I don't know and they don't know. When a family comes together with Jesus at the head, guys, there, there's a connection camaraderie where you believe in each other. You set each other up for good things. You pray for the future. You help each other make wise decisions. It's crazy that this system that God designed is even beautiful in the family. So if, if it's beautiful for work, you can't argue with it. A team, can't argue with it. A home, you can't argue with it. You ready? That's the same system he wants in the church. I need you, you need me. And we need to go from like strangers in the halls to acquaintances in the row to friends in a group. And you know what, what brings you through those steps? It's obedience and intimacy. Because as Jesus said, And as God inspired Moses to pen, when God's in the middle, there's intimacy, there's increase, and there's influence. Let's pray together. God, thank you for today. Thank you for people in my life that um, just helped me so much. God, thank you for this church, that they let me be me. I don't have to come up here and put on some fake mask and a phony voice. Got to pray for everyone in this room that's seated in the chair 
with acquaintances and maybe some strangers. God, help them to see it's part of your plan with the church to make disciples, to make us more like Jesus. And Father, I pray we would see the essential element of intimacy. Like that we know each other, that we love each other. We get past service talk. We take off our mask. We humbly listen to someone else speaking in a loving way into us for change. And when we gather and we connect, there's this beautiful potential for increase and influence. God, thank you for designing a system that makes sense and for gifting us with the Holy Spirit. I pray that the Holy Spirit would nudge us to do the next right thing. And I pray all of this today in Jesus' name.